The New York Jets are now on the board. Okay, Jet fans, Darrell Revis. Being in New York has been one of the greatest blessings. Zach Smith Avenue, brand that one right now. The New York Jets flag. Welcome to another episode of the NFL Draft Preview. Like always, the Athletics' Dane Brugler is here, but Ethan Greenberg is on a surfboard or bodyboard right now in Hawaii. I'm Eric Allen. These are big shoes to fill, but we're going to try to make do, Dane. How are you doing today? I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, awesome. Awesome, man. Hey, listen, exciting news in your world. We're taping on a Wednesday morning, what's happening as far as the Brugler draft guide? Uh, well, hopefully here in 24 hours, it'll be available uh, for everybody. And just need an athletic subscription, and it's uh, you, you get it automatically. Uh, it's a PDF. Um, so, yeah, 400 reports. We've got uh, over 1,600 players in there, uh, ranked, all the testing data. Uh, there's just a, a lot, a lot of info. It's been uh, it's been a crazy last uh last few months and then last you know 10 months trying to put this thing together so cannot wait to release it into the wild and uh kind of just uh for everybody to kind of digest everything and uh you know kind of start talking about uh, everything that's in there how many years have you been doing this uh it, it's been over i mean my first one i ever did was my dorm room um, freshman dorm room at mount union um but you know really seriously probably doing it you know over just over 10 years now uh, in terms of producing something, uh, some type of uh, document and you know, letting, you know, sharing it with people and that type of thing. So it, it's, we're, we're going over 10 years now. What were your friends and family thinking when you were doing that in college at Mount Union? <laughs> uh, yeah. Uh, I mean, it was it definitely got some weird looks, but no, and, and, you know, my family always been supportive of it. Um, I remember my, my parents, uh, you know, helping me, you know, go to go to Staples and get some printed and things like that. Cause they just, you know, they know if I spent this much time into something like this, I must mean something. And honestly, I mean that I used it as a resume, you know, if I ever want, if I wanted to get a job, I just, I sent them my draft book and said, listen, this is, this is my passion. This is, if I, if I put all this into a, a draft guide, you know, think about what I could do for you type of thing. And so uh, it, it's, it's, it's helped me along the way, but you know, it, it's, Thankfully, uh, you know, being at the athletic, they let me work on this year round and it's, it's really a, just a labor of love. All right. We are going to talk about the offensive line today, but I'm so fascinated by all this, the draft bug, the itch, when did he get it? And how has the coverage maybe changed from your perspective since you've started doing this professionally? Uh, really when I was 13, um, growing up in, I was like, yeah, I was 12, 13, growing up in, in Northeast Ohio and the Browns came back to the league in 99, they had the first pick overall. And there was so much intrigue, Tim Couch, Donovan McNabb, Ricky Williams, you know, who should they take at number one to restart this franchise? And that just, you know, that, that created some type of, uh, uh, just, I, I was enamored with the process, you know, why, what made a good college player, a great NFL player or, you know, just trying to figure these guys out. And so an overzealous hobby turned into a career uh, for me. And it's, it's something that I've been very blessed to have a lot of scouts and people around the league, take me under their wing, teach me um, you know, different ways to do things. You know, scouting is an evolving, just like the game of football is always evolving. And so you have to evolve with it. And so it's, it's definitely changed quite a bit uh, in terms of, 
how we uh, view these players, uh, you know, just what the NFL is looking for, uh, you know, scheme wise, player wise, uh, you know, what type of skill set. And so it's, it's, a, it's a moving target. And so it's the, the moment you think you've got to figure it out. It's the moment you probably need to move on because it's, it's something that is always evolving and changing and you have to just try to keep up with it. It's, it's really a, a fun thing that keeps you on your toes. Man, I wonder how many of our listeners remember Tim Couch. If only he had a better offensive line, he might have been something. Uh, yeah, he was a good player out of Kentucky, but that Browns franchise, when they came back in 99, just they were not ready to compete with anybody. It's fascinating. Every draft, we talk about the quarterbacks and the dominoes. Five quarterbacks taken in the first round last year, of course. We are three weeks away from the start of the 2022 NFL draft from Las Vegas, Dane. From your perspective, what's changing as as we look ahead? Yeah, and this is the time of year where uh, teams are having guys come to the facility for 30 visits. Uh, a lot of Zoom calls. The Zoom calls are unlimited. There's not a cap on, on what you can do there. So now at this point, it's all about draft meetings, um, You know, talking to scouts that are on the road. They're coming back to the facility because pro days are just about over. Uh, you know, There's a few workouts here and there. But for the most part, uh, you know, scouts are they're they're uh, off the road back at the facility, and now it's it's time to build the draft board. And most teams already have something built, and now it's more about tweaking and figuring out how they want things, uh, how exactly they want the draft board to look like. And so at this point, it's it's trying to get some of those questions uh, answered, and that's what the thirty visits are for. Uh, a lot of times, you know, uh, teams will be able to eliminate guys based off of thirty visits. You know, that's that's where you have a chance to. Uh, meet a guy, you know, how is he mesh with your staff? How does he you know, put him up X's and O's on the whiteboard? Uh, more medical stuff. So the guys that you have more questions about, those are the guys you're bringing in, and in most cases, for the 30 visits, to try and figure them out even more and helps you uh, as you as you put together this draft board. So a lot of things in motion um, as teams kind of finish up, put a finishing touches on, uh, you know, this draft process. But, yeah, like you mentioned, three weeks. We're, we're almost to that finish line. You and Ethan have nailed this preview series for the last couple of years. And I know you already talked about it, but how advantageous was it for the Jets to have not just the senior bowl experience, but that interaction with the players because they can really target who they're going to bring in their building because they've had so much experience with people. So when you're talking about the 30 visits now, uh, they can really be selective more than other teams, can't they? No doubt. I mean, having that uh, senior bowl experience, it's it's so key because you understand whether or not a player is going to be a culture fit for you. Um, and, and, you know, having your assistant coaches be hands on with these guys, that is such a head start for for the Jets and just understanding who these guys are. Um, and, and, you know, we had a really good senior uh, senior bowl roster this year. So a lot of players that I'm sure the Jets would be interested in. Uh, they got a better look and they understand, okay, yeah, this guy culture fit. He, yeah. I think that there's something there uh, now on the field. Uh, yeah. I think there's something there. And so, you know, you just have a better feel. And so when you get to the combine, you just feel like you so far ahead of some of these other teams. Uh, and so for the jets, I think, you know, going into this draft with two uh, picks in the top 10, uh, you've got multiple, t- uh, what, five picks in the top uh, top 100. So, you know, there's a lot of opportunity here to get better. And I think the Jets are positioned well to do that with how the draft process has gone. All right. I hope people aren't getting too uh, full with our appetizers because we will get to the main course, which is the offensive line, of course. But 
from pro days, just you studying what's going on out there. How about a prospect or two who may have helped themselves here the last few weeks or over the course of the last month, maybe? Yeah, well, speaking of uh, the Senior Bowl, uh, you know, we, we've had a few guys that uh, have kind of crushed every level of, of the process. Senior Bowl, Combine, uh, and, and then the Pro Days. And Christian Watson for North Dakota State, the wide receiver, is one of those guys. Uh, at the senior or at the senior bowl looked really good. Uh, you know, you, you weren't sure he's never faced an FBS opponent uh, in his career uh, at North Dakota State. So how would he look uh, at the senior bowl against better competition? He did a really nice job. Goes to the combine, comes in over 6'4", 436 in the 40, uh, 38 and a half inch vert, 114 broad jump, just these remarkable numbers. And then at his pro day, so he didn't do any of the shuttles at the combine, waited for his pro day. At his pro day, 696 into three cone, which is a remarkable time, especially for a guy that size. Uh, at 419 uh, in, in the short shuttle and then 18 and the bench press. So he was a guy that, again, crushed every level of the process. And, and uh, Watson has really helped himself uh, from the season. Just the tape was good. Uh, it, I, there's still some, you know, he's, he's raw in areas as a route runner. Still needs to improve in, in a few things. But when you have a guy that's that size, that can move like that, that type of athlete, uh, that, that's who you're looking to draft. So I think he cemented himself as a, a top 60, top 75 pick, maybe even could sneak into that first round based off of how some of these teams view the wide receiver position. And then on the defensive side of the ball, uh, another senior bowl guy who's a late ad. Uh, he was at the NFLPA Collegiate Bowl, uh, had a great week there, gets a late ad to the senior bowl. Uh, talking about Eric Johnson, defensive lineman out of Missouri State. Now, this is a he didn't get invited to the combine. And so he is my highest graded combine snub uh, mm. in the draft guide. Six, four and a half, 299 pounds at his pro day, ran a four, eight, six in the 40 yard dash, which is a just a, he was moving for a guy at 300 pounds. Uh, seven, five, eight, three cones. Terrific for that size. Twenty seven and a half inch vert. Uh, eight eleven in the broad. So Eric Johnson, uh, he was a hard guy to block uh, all week uh, during senior bowl practices. Uh, and when you put together a strong tape, when you put together uh, the testing data that he did, uh, it just it, does he need to be more consistent in a few areas? Yeah, in terms of pad level, uh, run recognition, things like that. But he shows functional hand usage. He shows play range. He shows he shows the ability to uh, win with both power and win with quickness. So Eric Johnson's one of those players that has helped himself uh, not not only just the pro days, but throughout the entire process. And his workout was just kind of a cherry on top. So a lot of teams are bringing in Eric Johnson just to learn a little bit more. He, he's one of those 30 visits for a lot of teams. Nice. Okay, let's get to the offensive line finally. And uh, thanks for your patience here. But I got so many questions, just like all our fans do. Uh, the anticipation is, continues to build. We're three, three weeks away from the 2022 NFL draft. What are you looking for in a general sense when you're studying the offensive linemen? And also... Is it a harder group to study in terms of all the position groups? It's definitely kind of like offensive line because offensive line is a very technically skilled position. I, I think that I've learned that that's how you have to scout it as well. I mean, you have to really focus on uh, you know, some of the, the, all the details because when you get to the NFL, all these offensive linemen are big and strong. You know, they, they, most of them move fairly well. It's about the ones that understand leverage, the ones that understand angles, um, you know, the, the technically refined offensive linemen. Those are usually the guys that stick. Um, and so uh, when you're studying these guys on tape, studying these guys in college, it, it's important to, you know, OK, if they make a mistake, what type of mistake is it? 
Is it a physical mistake? Is it a mental mistake? Um, you know, and, and I think it's, it's something where no matter how much the game evolves, you know, we talked about it earlier, offensive line, uh, you could always point to it as uh, if you have success in the offensive line, how that correlates to success and how that's good, what that means for your team. And so every team's going to be looking at the offensive line. You want to get better. You want guys that are mentally tough because you have to play through the pain. A lot of offensive linemen, you're just getting beat up play after play after play. Uh, so that's, that's something that is important to, to scout. And then something else too, you know, we, we talk about all these positions and how you could be a little specialized. You know, if you're a receiver and you maybe you're, you're smaller or maybe you're not as good of a route runner or maybe you have iffy hands, but if you're fast, there's going to be interest in you. If you're an offensive lineman, you can't really afford to be a specialist. You have to be good at everything. Even if you are, you know, say a Daniel Falalele from Minnesota and you're 390 pounds, you're this mammoth, uh, you know, human being, you still have to be technically sound with your hands. You still have to be able to move a little bit in order to play. So it's really the only position that you can truly say that. A, a lot of other positions, you can overcome it with uh, maybe a specialized skill. Offensive line, you really have to be uh, – be best or you have to be really you have to be above average across the board or you're going to get uh, exposed so offensive line it's a really fascinating position to evaluate what's the headline at the top of this group because we've been talking for months about the edge group how depth how deep it is how you got some star power at the top even though you might not have a bosa like player in the mix but just a lot of quality edge rushers uh, I think the offensive line, when I look at it, a lot of people are talking about the tackle position. Mm -hmm. Yeah, no question. And we're going to see a lot of these guys come off the board quickly. Uh, talking about Ikea Kwanu from NC State, Evan Neal, Alabama, Charles Cross, uh, Mississippi State, and then Trevor Penning, Northern Iowa. All four are going to be first-round picks, and it's just a matter of how high do they go. Uh, you know, who will be on the board at number four uh, if the Jets are possibly interested? We know Joe Douglas loves his offensive linemen. And, you know, the, the state of the Jets offensive line is much, much improved than it was, uh, you know, a couple years ago, even a year ago. But it's still an area that I think they'd like to get better at. And so you can't completely dismiss an offensive lineman there at number four, especially if the right guy is there. Could that be an Ikiakuanu? Could it be Evan Neal? Um, it, you know, either of those guys would make a ton of sense. Um, and then at number 10, uh, same type of deal if, if they go a different direction uh, at number four. So it, we're going to see, especially in a draft like this, where there's a lot of differing opinions on uh, a lot of the players this year uh, from team to team. A lot of teams, we know they need offensive line. And so we're going to see these guys go early. So off a tackle, uh, I think there is a little bit of a drop off after you get past those top four. Um, big fan of uh, Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan. He's more of a late one, early two. Uh, a guy like Tyler Smith from Tulsa is a day two pick who has a lot of ability, but he's, his discipline's not there. He's just a young player. It's going to take time for him to get up to that level. Um, and you've got a few guys that you know can come in and, and you know compete for starting reps. Abraham Lucas from Washington State, um, you know guys like that. And then on day three, developmental guys. But it's really that top four um, offensive linemen, offensive tackles that we're talking about. And then on the interior, you know, this center class is a lot of fun because you got a guy at the top, Tyler Linderbaum, who is extremely, extremely talented. But, you know, he's got really short arms and he's a center only. And so this is not going to be a great fit for every team. So where does Tyler Linderbaum fall in all of this? Could he fall out of the first round? It, it's, it's certainly possible uh, when you look at landing spots and where he might go. And then this center class, 
my favorite part of it is the third round. I've got four centers in that third round range, and that's kind of the sweet spot. Um, you know, talking about uh, Luke Fortner from uh, Kentucky, talking about Cole Strange from Chattanooga, Cam Jurgens, Nebraska, Dylan Parham, Memphis. These guys are all going to be competing for starting reps in the NFL pretty quickly, uh, and I think they're all going to be in that day two range, probably in the third round. Man, that's fascinating. So we could see a run on centers there in the third or fourth round, you're saying? Yeah, I, and I think that because we're, we're going to see a run, because teams are going to want to get their guy, they, they don't want to be the the team with you know left without a chair, I, I think we could even see it start in the second round, uh, where we wow. see, start to see these centers come off the board. Uh, so it, it's, you know, it's a position where, you know, obviously you only need one starter. Um, and, and so, but a lot of these guys have position flex. Uh, you know, Cole Strange started at guard mostly in, in, in college. Dylan Parham was mostly a guard. Uh, Luke Fortner has that guard center experience. So the guys that have that position flex, it's just an extra bonus for a lot of these teams looking to bolster the interior of their offensive line. All right. So we're going to be looking in that late night too, or maybe possibly early on day three of the NFL draft. Let me ask you, let's go back a year to Elijah Vera Tucker, a guy that you scouted, a guy that Joe Douglas moved up nine spots in the first round in order to select him at number 14 overall. What do you make of him moving to right guard? Obviously, the Jets just signed a pro bowler in Lincoln Tomlinson. He's going to stay at left guard. The Jets are moving ABT across the line. I talked to Robert Sala about it, Dane. He said uh, much being made about nothing. They think that he's going to make this a seamless transition because he played along all on that line at USC. Exactly. And, and I think that was part of the appeal um, with AVT when he was coming out as a prospect is the position flex that he offers. And nobody knows better than this Jets staff about whether or not he's capable uh, of, of making that move and playing uh, kind of a mirror uh, image of what he did last year. So, uh, you know, it's one of those things where you have to trust the coaches, uh, you know, because we, uh, you know, they, they have the best idea of what they what he could do at that new spot. I don't think they would have made that signing unless they had a, a really good feeling about it. So, uh, you know, it, it's something that, uh, you know, it, when I scout offensive line, the, the most gifted offensive linemen, they're able to quickly reset and get back to the strength of their bodies. And that's something that ABT does really well. So I, I don't – left guard, right guard, it doesn't matter. I think that's something that is going to continue to carry him. Uh, we know he moves well. Uh, but his ability to play with balance, reset quickly, I, I think that he'll be able to do that no matter where he's lined up on the offensive line. And it's just a matter of getting reps and getting better. And so I, I think that's something that could really, uh, you know, really stabilize things for that Jets front. You have been high on NC State's Iggy Kwanu for months. Why? Uh, I, I think when you watch him, it's just he gets you excited. You know, when you watch a, a player on tape, you want to get excited about him. You know, that that, that tells you, uh, you know, just how good he can be and how good he is. And that's what you see with Ike Iquano. As a run blocker, he has a chance to be elite. He has explosiveness, uh, both in his movements and then at contact. He loves to bury uh, anybody that's in his in his path. I mean, more pancakes than IHOP on uh, on his tape. It's, <laughs> it's a lot of fun to watch. And so it, gap zone, it doesn't matter. He's a mauler. Um, in pass pro, that was the biggest question, you know, watching Icky last summer and saying, okay, yeah, this, this guy's got a lot of talent, but you know, he's pass protection. That's, that's the big worry. This, the steps that he made this year in pass protection were really, really impressive. Now he still oversets 
time, uh, you know, here, uh, here and there, uh, he'll be over aggressive at times in space, but the balance, the handwork, uh, I thought he proved this year on his tape that he could play outside, be a tackle, no question. Uh, but I do think run blocking that that's kind of his MO that that's what he does best. Uh, as, as he continues to grow and get older, cause he's still a young player. Uh, I mean, he just turned 21 during the season. Um, you know, his background was not as this, you know, offensive lineman, I mean, he he didn't make varsity in high school until his junior year. Uh, he was a late bloomer who uh, was still running the 100 meters uh, as a junior uh, in, in high school. Uh, he was the anchor leg of, of uh, their relay team uh, at, at uh, Providence Day down there in Charlotte. So uh, Ikipuanu is a guy that's still discovering how good he could be. And so the progression that he showed over the last three years uh, the steps that he has taken in pass pro tells me he's not done. He's going to continue to get better and better. And that explosiveness, explosiveness that he brings to the field, that's what I want on my football team. So Ike Kwanmu, one of the best players in this draft. He's my number two player in the entire draft. And uh, I think he's going to go pretty early. All right. Some people that I talk to think that we could see a run on those edges real early. Like it's yeah. not out of the realm that one, two, three are edges. We'll have to see. But with that being said, let's go real team uh, specific here because this is a New York Jets podcast. Uh, how do you separate Aquano, Evan Neal, and Charles Cross from Mississippi State? He's a guy a lot of people like in terms of the New York Jets. Yeah, and with Cross, he is – I think it depends on what exactly you're looking for at the offensive line position style-wise because with Charles Cross – He's not a power guy. That's just not that's not what he brings to the field. But in terms of pass protection, his hand his hand exchange and his movement patterns are both above average. I think he processes things well. Um, he just he has a really good understanding of how to use his hands, and it's really promising considering he's a redshirt sophomore. I mean, he's a another really young player, um, and, and so if you can sacrifice a little bit of power uh, for a guy that's you know is a above average pass blocker then you're really going to like Charles Cross. And so I can understand why Cross is really well liked across the league. Um, with Evan Neal, I think he's kind of, uh, he's got a little bit of everything that you want. I mean, it's it's a, it's fascinating to look at him and you wonder where, where are all that 340 pounds? Where, where, where is it? Because it's, it's so, he fills his frame out so well. Uh, he's just a big bone guy, uh, long player. Uh, he will fall off blocks here or there at times in, in the run game. But a guy that he's just so effective because his his blend of size, athleticism, flexibility, it's just really, really uh, unique for a guy that size. So uh, I, I really like how he reworks his feet into position. Uh, he has hand exchange as well, so he can keep rushers contained. Um, I, he looks like an immediate NFL starter, a guy that's going to be competing for Pro Bowls at some point during his rookie contract. Where do you stand on Northern Iowa's Trevor Penning? Will coaches like that style, or is he a flag waiting to happen on the next level? He gets after it, Dane. Yeah. We know that. And the Jets were fortunate because they had an opportunity to see him up close down there in Mobile, Alabama. With that being said, he feels like a guy that might not fit in the Jets' range if they stay at 4-10 and 10 because then their next pick is 35. And do you think that he probably falls somewhere between that 11th pick and 34? I wouldn't be surprised at all if he goes top 10. Uh, wow. I, think, I think it's very possible because, again, uh, this is a draft class where, you know, and it's similar to the the edge conversation. Uh, a lot of teams are going to look at this and say, yeah, we, you know, we like Kyle Hamilton or, you know, we like Devin Lloyd, uh, some of these other, you know, 
good players that are in this draft, but we're going to look, we're going to shoot for a premium position. And so we're talking about edge rusher. We're talking about offensive tackle. We're talking about corner, uh, those premium positions that there's talent in this draft. And so I uh, would not be surprised at all if we see a run on offensive linemen in the top 10. We know there's several teams, uh, you know, the Giants. We look at the, the Seahawks. Uh, you know, we look at, uh, you know, some of these other teams that we could see trading into the top 10, moving up a few spots to get one of these tackles. Uh, so, you know, I, I think if, you know, penning at 10, but there, there's no reason why he shouldn't be considered there because, uh, you know, he, is he a guy that needs some fundamental work? Yeah, there's no question. The on-field discipline, yeah, he, he needs to tidy it up a little bit. But coaches love it. I mean, they, they would rather you be overly aggressive and you just try to bring him back a little bit as opposed to the opposite where, you know, you're trying to make him more aggressive. He's just too passive. You don't have to worry about that with Trevor Penning. Uh, so, yes, needs some more coaching. But the power that he brings, the physical presence, and he's a really good athlete. No offensive lineman had a better 10-yard split or 20-yard split in a 40-yard dash at the uh, at the NFL Combine than, than Trevor Penning. So he has that initial explosion that you're looking for. Um, and, and so there's a lot – the selling point with Trevor Penning is easy to see. And you talk to him, really smart guy. He'll tell you at any on any given play, based on the alignment, what the right guard is supposed to be doing. I mean, he is, is that type of – uh, it brings that type of intelligence to the offensive line as well. So Trevor Penning, I think, is going to be uh, a target for a lot of teams picking in that top half of round one. Uh, that dude is a mauler. He loves to play the game, and he got a lot of attention for what he did off the field watching that Saw series on a bus trip, getting ready for a game. And the, the great part of that story is that then he told reporters that, hey, I told my mom I did that, and then, she decided that she wanted to watch the series with me. So Trevor Penny, he's an interesting character, but he loves the game. He loves ball. And it's going to be fascinating to see where he winds up. Zion Johnson, I know you love him. Uh, in Mobile, it was interesting. He took some snaps at the center position, but he projects more as a guard, right? He just wanted to show people that, hey, listen, if I got to switch over, I I I'm more than willing to do that as well. Yeah, I thought he held his own uh, for a guy that's really never played center before. Um, you know, he played tackle uh, in 2020, uh, and that really was not his uh, where he was most comfortable. They moved him back to guard in 2021, and he looked outstanding. And I think it's one of those things where you start to run out of reasons why this guy should not go in the top 20 picks. You know, he's 6'3", 315. Uh, his athleticism is outstanding. 34-inch uh, arms, so he has the length. He's got these big bear claw hands. Um, and another guy that you talk to him and he's just, he's razor sharp. He's so, so impressive when, when you talk to him and, and he understands his skill set. He understands his strengths. Um, you know, his body controls above average. He's got the, the power in his lower body where he's going to drive defenders off the ball. Um, and so the combination of play strength, uh, muscle twitch, uh, his reaction skills, and not just as a run blocker, but also as a pass blocker. I, this guy's going to be a decade-long uh, starter in the NFL, probably at guard, but also be able to kick inside the center in a pinch if you need him to. Uh, just a, It's just an easy player to like in this draft. Uh, I'm a big fan of him. Real squatty, real low to the ground, so he doesn't have to worry about getting those pads down. It's like he's built so low to the ground. Yeah. And he gets after people, very comfortable on the move, um, and like you said, so impressive in terms of what he brings uh from a cerebral perspective. I wanted to ask you about this. Let's end here. 
Top of the second round, Jets at 35 and 38. Say they don't take an offensive lineman at 4 and 10 if they stay at 4 and 10. Who might make sense there at the top of the second round for a team looking for an offensive lineman at either the 35 range or 38? Uh, maybe Bernard Raymond from Central Michigan, who uh, is you know one of the more fascinating stories in this draft because he made the transition. Well, first of all, he's from Austria, where he was a wide receiver, comes to the States uh, where you know he played receiver, tight end in high school, uh, goes to Central Michigan. And he was a tight end. He caught, uh, you know, 20 passes over 2018, 2019 seasons. And then in the midst of a pandemic, he makes the transition to left tackle. So it's hard enough to make that transition, but to also do it, a lot of it on your own, where he told me he was, you know, taking clips and sending them to his coaches. And they were just, you know, uh, corresponding through text messages and videos of, of how to get better at this new position. And he started every game at left tackle the last two years, and he played it at a very high level. So a guy that has size, has ability, um, I, for a, a guy that's so young in, in, at the position, uh, he's an older player because uh, of just his journey. He, he'll be a 25-year-old rookie this year. Uh, but he's so young in terms of position. Uh, but his ability to stay, stay centered uh, so he can mirror, so he can counter, uh, his athletic reflexes, uh, his, his strength in the run game, um, so he just has a crafty understanding of how to use his body, how to use his play strength. Um, and, and so it's just a really fun guy to watch. And if he's still there at the top of the second round, uh, he, he's a perfect sixth offensive lineman, um, as a rookie. And then, you know, you plug him, you need to help at guard you need help a tackle. He can help you out in a lot of different spots. So I think he would make some sense at that point. Uh, you gave us some awesome insight on everything, but what jumped out to me was the center position early on here during the pod. Let's get back to Linderbaum real quickly. Is there a chance since you think that he's so specific in terms of what kind of team is going to pick him up? Is there a chance he could be there at the top of the second round? It's possible. It really is. And I think that, I mean, let's just take the, you know, 32 teams, eliminate all the teams that, don't that, that don't need a center. So, you know, that cuts down a lot of teams cut out all the teams that don't run, uh, you know, a, a, some semblance of an outside zone type of scheme that, that eliminates some teams or some, yeah, some teams right there, eliminate teams that just are not interested in drafting a center in the first round. So all of a sudden mm -hmm. we're down to three, four, maybe five teams, maybe. And it just comes down to, you know, do they feel the Dallas Cowboys, do they feel comfortable taking a center there? Or do they see the more value in adding another receiver or they have a big need at guard? Maybe they go that direction. Um, and, and so I think that when you do that exercise, it's, it's really fascinating. You realize, oh, wow, OK, not really an ideal fit there. You know, the Bengals at 31. Well, they just signed. OK, you know, maybe not there. So all of a sudden you're looking at them and yeah, it, it is certainly possible that uh, Linderbaum could be available in the top of the second round, which. At that point, the value is just uh, enormous, and it, it'd be really hard to say no to him at that point in the draft. Um, and, and so it, Tyler Linderbaum, probably one of the wider variances in terms of where he could be drafted, which really makes him a wild card on draft weekend. Hey, hey, cheers to you. We enjoyed it. Thanks for letting me fill in today. Get a couple Diet Mountain Dews because tomorrow is celebration day. Your draft guide is going out the labor of love that started, started so many years ago in a college dorm room. Man, it's come a long way. Uh, you and Ethan have been tearing it up here on the podcast. Uh, thanks for letting me fill in today.
No, thanks, EA. Can't wait to share it. And uh, you did a pretty good job today. So you're good at this kind of thing. You might have a future in it. <laughs> thanks, buddy.